Chapter 30 of St. Charles Borromeo, A Sketch of the Reforming Cardinal, by Louise M. Stackpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter 30. The Cardinal of Santa Prestede. In 1582, Charles journeyed for the last time to the Eternal City. It was three years since his previous visit and in accordance with ecclesiastical observances it was his duty to go there to give an account of his diocese and to pray at the tombs of the holy apostles before starting however he wrote to ask the permission of cesare gambara of tortona the oldest prelate in the province he did so in order to obey to the letter the regulations of the council of trent he intended setting out early in october but as he wrote to monsignor speciano we often decide to do things but almighty god compels us to change our plans the death of the princess malfetta caused me to start sooner than i intended as i am thus already en route i think it more advisable to continue my journey than to return to milan particularly as i can quite easily wind up certain affairs from here which i was unable to finish before leaving milan i propose going by sea to ancona but i have changed my mind i prefer to go in a litter as that mode of travelling is more conducive to contemplation and enables one to meditate better on sacred subjects i am staying with the capuchins of sabionetta and i enjoy a delightful solitude and am able quietly to attend to various business matters the archbishop remained in this blessed retreat until the end of september praying meditating and practising such severe mortifications that the strict life of the franciscans appeared light and easy almost sensual in comparison with his rigorous austerities on october twenty fourth fifteen eighty two charles borromeo arrived in rome and at once took up his abode in the house close to his beloved and titular church of santa Prestede. on october thirtieth his friend guilio ornato wrote to milan as follows i pass over in silence the honours caresses favours gorgeous receptions and a thousand other things with which we were overwhelmed at mantua bologna florence in fact at all our halting places on tuesday morning our illustrious cardinal and master went to the villa to kiss the pope's feet he spent four days there was most graciously welcomed and was never refused an audience yesterday afternoon the sovereign pontiff and the court returned to rome the holy father visited the seven basilicas and our cardinal accompanied him the pope wished charles to take a more important title than that of cardinal of santa Prestede, urging him to take that of santa maria di trastevere telling him that not only was it a sacred spot as it was the first church consecrated to the blessed virgin but that also it was nearer the vatican and the air was purer and more invigorating and then he would be able to make about two hundred scudi a year by letting the magnificent and vast gardens the cardinal replied i prefer my own title of santa brissette because i so deeply reverence the sacred relics in that holy church a busy man finds the air pure and invigorating everywhere and as for the two hundred scudi, they would be just as useful to any other cardinal. He loved this titular church of his dearly, as he said, on account of the many sacred relics it contained, but particularly because it held that priceless treasure, the column to which our Redeemer was bound. Before this heart-stirring memorial of our Saviour's love for us, Charles spent long hours in prayer and meditation. In it are also preserved a portion of the crown of thorns and the sponge, and a few tresses of Our Lady's hair. In the sacristy there is a splendid picture of Guido Romano, of the flagellation, and a miniature portrait of our Lord, said to have belonged to St. Peter, and to have been given by him to Santa Prestede. 
certainly this church of peace is rich in relics of our saviour's passion and no wonder that the man who loved with a surpassing love his crucified master would not give up for the wealthiest and most magnificent basilica this humble temple dedicated to a humble maiden that yet humble as it was held treasures inexpressibly dear to his and to our hearts father lucien de florence a monk at the monastery of santa Brissette, gives us a vivid and interesting account of the life charles led during his stay in rome in fifteen eighty two the holy cardinal he writes has selected for his particular use a small chair on this he sleeps for about three hours every night he is quite given up going to bed the rest of the night he spends in meditation then he recites matins kneeling uncovered he often spends the whole night in the crypt under the high altar in prayer before the precious relics preserved there neither the extreme cold nor the dampness of the place can turn him aside from this way of living which is more that of an angel than a man at daybreak he celebrates holy mass the spanish ambassador count olivares and his wife are generally present the severity of the weather and the very early hour prevents not a number of noble ladies and other distinguished people from attending count olivares says our cardinal is more like an angel than a man it is a strange fact that charles who during the greater part of his life slept daily only for three or four hours was naturally inclined to drowsiness he tells us that he could never quite master this inclination and that it was always with the greatest difficulty he woke up probably that is why he slept on a chair dreading that if he were reposing in a comfortable bed he would not get up at a sufficiently early hour people remonstrated with him for giving such a short time to rest and to these kind friends he generally replied my uncle giacopo de medici who is a soldier never undresses and always sleeps on a chair so that he may be ready to fight at a moment's notice and if the soldier of an earthly sovereign is so watchful surely a soldier of the cross and particularly a bishop should be as vigilant for to us pastors of christ are entrusted the care of souls and we have to wage constant war against the world the flesh and the devil on another occasion a pious director told him that every one should have seven hours sleep a bishop he replied must be an exception to this rule the cardinal of the church of peace was invariably so calm and recollected that people sometimes thought he slept in particular he generally remained perfectly motionless while listening to sermons his eyes closed and his whole appearance resembling one who was either dead or in a restful slumber one day at devotions in rome a bishop noticed that while father francis toledo was preaching charles borromeo was apparently enjoying a pleasant nap he remarked later on to a friend cardinal borromeo's confessor ought to give him as a penance to stop longer in bed in order that he may keep awake during the day and particularly during sermons the person addressed dined that day with charles and was greatly surprised and somewhat amused to hear him repeat almost word for word father toledo's discourse during this his last visit to rome charles brought to a high degree of perfection the congregation of priests della provincia lombarde which he had founded some time previously in imitation of the vatican knights this confraternity met in the church of st ambrose in the corso and was composed principally of prelates and clergymen from lombardy their object was to form a school of eloquent and learned preachers every sunday they had spiritual exercises consisting of sermons interspersed with prayers and music for charles always believed in the power of music both instrumental and vocal to stir the heart with high and noble emotions and to raise it above this world to the contemplation of heavenly joys 
there is in souls a sympathy with sounds and as the mind is pitched the ear is pleased with melting airs or martial brisk or gay some chord in unison with what we hear is touched within us and the heart replies charles was also the originator of the congregation of rites although on his return to his diocese the brunt of the work fell upon his friend cardinal Pagliotti, and later on upon cardinal carafa yet they unanimously agreed that while he lived charles was the life and soul of the work it was not however until some years after his death that the congregation of rites received the papal sanction during the pontificate of sixtus v gregory the thirteenth who as we know held him in high esteem confided to him the important mission of establishing peace and concord among the numerous branches of the franciscan order the cardinal of santa Prassede had been their protector and was ever their loyal and devoted friend cherishing with a very special affection the memory of their seraphic founder he therefore undertook this troublesome task with alacrity and with his usual prudence and tact soon brought matters to a satisfactory issue helping to restore to the numerous members their love of poverty and of obedience with their pristine fervor the order of the knights of malta and of st john of jerusalem had greatly deteriorated the reforming cardinal undertook their reform with unabated vigor and zeal and success once more crowned his efforts he spent his time in rome in bringing to a satisfactory conclusion many other difficult and important works the pope invariably entrusting to him the conduct of the most difficult and intricate affairs gregory not only loved and esteemed but also appears to have been considerably in awe of the stern ascetic on one occasion when the pope and several of the cardinals were amusing themselves in the groves of the vatican watching horses being exercised an attendant announced that cardinal borromeo was approaching let us hasten away cried the pope if cardinal borromeo finds us diverting ourselves here he will say we are wasting our time at any rate the pope was determined that the cardinal should not waste his own time for he gave him so much to do that it was a marvel that he did not break down under the constant strain however the sovereign pontiff generously repaid him in the way he liked best by giving him on his departure for milan several briefs and diplomas conferring many favours and privileges on his clergy and people amongst others he gave him the right to absolve a quibuscunque peccatis et censores etiam in cena domini et remittendi in totum vel impartum penem incursum super irregularitatibus inutroque foro etiam ex homicidio voluntario quosquunque torrentlicos quam clericos et regulares civitatis dicesis et provinciae medio per se vel per alien cum esque dispensandi super qualibet in debita perceptione fructum hoc penos incursas et debitari remittende ecundanandi armed with these privileges and powers also with the brief appointing him apostolic visitor of all switzerland charles set out for milan early in january sixteen eighty three he wrote from spoleto to his vicar we shall not arrive for some time for the pope has commissioned us to arrange several important affairs we shall therefore be compelled to make frequent halts one of the affairs confided to charles was the very trying one of examining into the rights and wrongs of the marriage contracted between vincenzo de gonzaga duke of mantua and margareta venisi daughter of the duke of parma this union was finally declared null and void and the bride became the spouse of christ she entered the convent of st paul at mantua and received the habit from the hands of charles borromeo on october thirtieth fifteen eighty three 
End of chapter 30